7: Bring in the new year with Rubik's Groove, your outside-of-the-box, totally 80s, 90s, and aughts dance party band. Go to TheMuleHouse.com for more information and tickets.
3: This is Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia. Breaking,
9: breaking, 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 breaking. Here's the thing that we could do today, because if you heard our uh, December 26th offering, which is yesterday... We were on here before anybody basically saying that, and I said yesterday, I was hearing from a couple folks that Nico was going to start the bowl game and that Joe Milton was going to opt out. And I said, I don't believe it. I said "I I didn't believe it. I chose to not believe it until I saw it. And today it's been reported by Chris Lowe that Joe Milton is passing the torch officially, opting out of the bowl game, Nico, I'm a never-going-to-leave-you era, begins in earnest. And um, rather than focus on the fact that we were correct, again, and I don't know, like a program director of sorts for the chat boards, and I'm not going to focus on that. What I'm going to focus on is that I think it's great news. I think, um, as Carly Simon once said, loving you is the right thing to do. And I'm for it, not against it. And I think this is a wonderful thing. And I think it's a great thing that Joe Milton's down there with his buddies and enjoying the trip. And he's not going to play in the bowl game. This is is what should have happened. This was a correct, proper, measured outcome of this deal. And this is exactly what should have happened. And this is exciting news. Now, the show of record today has Adam Sparks from the Knoxville News Sentinel. That's us. He's joining us in about 10, so we'll talk to him about it. Dr. Sean Sinclair is here right now, we'll talk to him about it. Watson Brown is queued up for our second hour, top of for Wednesdays with Watson. And he's already been made abreast of what's going on, so he's formulating his opinions on how Tennessee's going to go about maximizing this first opportunity to start for Nick I'm never going to leave you. Now, I will tell you that I wrote today in the blog that Tennessee has been giving him the lion's share of the reps. Uh, yesterday, what I said I was extremely confident in from who I was getting it from, But the whole concept of him starting the game, uh, I was always going to be, I believe it. The only reason, the only way I was going to believe that is if Joe Milton opted out. And apparently when Chris Lowe, who's highly reputable, says it, I believe it. Uh, And and there you have it. So the breaking news of the hour is that... um, Joe Milton is not going to play in the Citrus Bowl. And Nico, I'm never going to leave you, is going to get the start and is going to play the whole game against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Sean Sinclair, let's respond here on the show of record in real time. Your thoughts on what you're hearing as we digest this together.
10: Well, of course, I only... I only pay attention to the show of record, and you had it yesterday. So, uh, well done, you! Uh, and for any of the haters, uh, <laughs> you even confirmed that stuff uh, during the commercial break yesterday. So, uh, but you didn't, wanna, you didn't want to. You uh, didn't want to. I didn't. I didn't. Spoil the I did trust uh, Mister Mister yeah. I didn't. I didn't so, trust it. But yes, it's mm-hmm. so a way to go there. As um, as the great songwriter, Steve. Basilio says, "I am pumped. I am very pumped. Um, so, you know, it's it's a new era. Yep, it is a it's a lot of it's a lot of uh, fanfare. Yep, uh, it is. It is, and I'd like to take this opportunity to uh, just thank Joe Milton because you know what? He came here, he stuck it out, he stayed." For a few years, he was the bridge quarterback. Um, you know, it, people will think it was you know all his doing that we're eight and four, but you know our receiving core was not the same, and they dropped everything that came to them. Uh, we had a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we had a, a lot of we had a lot of offensive line injuries that Hendon Hooker didn't have to deal with, and then we had a uh, you know a defense that was quite porous at times. And so uh, I'd like to just thank Joe Milton. He showed a lot of class these three years. Um, he could have moved on. Um, I never heard him complain. Uh, he, was a, uh, he was a locker room sheriff. Uh, and um, just an all-around good dude. And uh, I'm glad he came here and, and uh, was our starting quarterback for a year.
11: Brian Hartman? Yeah, I I actually believe, like Sean said, if Joe Milton wanted to play in this game and had to play in this game, he deserved to play in this game. But that being said, I think it's a good thing for his career to focus on the next level, and it's a good thing for Tennessee to see what they have in Nico, let him play a whole game so they know what he's got coming into next season, and go from there. I did notice the line has gone down from eight and a half to around seven to six and a half, mm-hmm. some places. So that's mm-hmm. interesting. Makes sense, but um, it should be a. I think I don't know how that's going to. Is that going to impact ticket sales and maybe fans? That, oh, are you kidding? And, do you think they're going to? There's going to be more people oh, going down there? Are now? you? Are you kidding, so.
9: Matt Dixon? It right now is making the pilgrimage as we speak. He's gotten on the road. To NECA, not Mecca,
10: NECA, NECA, Nico Senko Nico Senko You know what? And and also, I think I don't know the whole dynamic. I I don't believe that Joe was thrown overboard and couldn't play, and I don't believe it was totally Joe's decision. I think there was a collaborative deal. Yep. And this, along with the um, this along with the 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 casting away of the DB ballast. Uh, that we saw over the past couple of weeks, I this gives me uh, this gives me hope that Josh Heupel is a uh, is rounding into a complete head coach that wants to win at the big level.
9: When you read the blog of Show of Record, this is what you get, right? I ask at the very top, Will Jabari Small be? And I did this last night. Will Jabari Small be Tennessee's only veteran opt-out this week? Now, obviously, here's what I'm hinting at because I'm going to read it to you. These things seem to come in numbers. Small yesterday said he's unsure of his future with the Vols, but is skipping the bowl game in the meantime. Makes sense to me. This comes at a time when the new thing seems to be some guys waiting till the week of games to announce they're opting out. Just yesterday, Florida State's Tade Rodemaker announced he's skipping the upcoming Orange Bowl. Even though he was slated to start. Imagine skipping an Orange Bowl. WTF. I guess what I'm trying to ask is. Next paragraph. In big letters. Is it Nico time? I'm hearing it absolutely could be. How about those apples? I had one source tell me yesterday. That the plan is to start Nico. There's no way I'm reporting that. As if uh, I'm actually choosing to believe it. Suffice it to say. Tennessee is ramping up his reps in practice, and he's getting the lion's share of snaps in practice. And if you're in the camp of wanting to see Nico play in the bowl game, you might just get your wish. We called it. So I'm not going to take credit, but it is what it is. It's just not about me. But it's interesting to see them do the right thing, and Sean Sinclair is right. We had said behind the scenes, these guys know this, that they had gone to Joe and, you know, Josh Heupel, they sit down with people at the end of the year. All these coaches do, and they said to him, "You know, it would probably behoove you just to go ahead and get ready for your for your pro days and for the for the uh, Senior Bowl, which is at the end of uh, January." And the truth is, as we were talking with Watson Brown a couple times as a lead up to that, Watson said there certainly are things NFL wise that they would ask him to do that Tennessee does not ask him to do uh in the offense and um that it probably would be him to take 6 or 7 weeks and i i was just talking and, and we'll bring adam sparks in here momentarily but this ramping up of nico adams going to going uh cuz i'm going to get him to talk about this uh this is something that has occurred and has been occurring since the Vols, thank you, thank you. Uh, since here you go, put it right here. Since since the Vols um, were getting ready to play Vanderbilt, they gave um, you couldn't tell by the game because Vanderbilt sucks so bad, but they gave Nico a lion's share of the reps leading up to that game. They really wanted to pull the trigger then, early on, but Hypo... When they started scoring all those points, the pH in his blood changed. And it was my contention in this game, when I was told by my two sources, and we talked about it yesterday, that they were, in fact, going to start Nico in this game, I said "I I will believe that when I see it because I knew what the plan was coming into the Vanderbilt game, which is our guy is an offensive coordinator that loves to score points. And if he gets the starting quarterback on a heater, he ain't taking the guy out. So this takes that totally out of the equation. This is the beautiful thing about what's happened here, to Sean's point. Because now you don't have the crutch slash luxury of going that route. Now, Sean, you have to dive in at the deep end and figure out how to swim. It's really, really Really interesting. And it needed to happen, Sean. I think it's the right thing. Whether he sinks or whether he swims in this game. And I wrote today, uh, as preparation for what could happen, I just had a sense of what could happen, that the truth of the matter is, is that when you pull the bubble wrap off of him, you can't expect a lot in this bowl game. That's going to be the theme for the rest. Tony, what do you mean? You guys have been talking this guy. Listen, Michigan had two offensive touchdowns, 18 yards in total offense of those two drives in their championship game with this bunch. J.J. McCarthy has played a ton of college football, was 22 of 30, but basically threw stuff behind the sticks all day. He only threw for 147 yards. They were 3 of 15 on third down uh, the last time Iowa took the field. So, Point is this: It's going to play. It's great. No matter what happens in this game, Sean, I think it's a real win. No matter what happens, you're right, Sean. This is a step forward for Josh Heupel.
10: I think it is. It's gonna uh, youth movement. Um, we'll still see. Uh, I, I still think there's some uh, adjustments that might be made, and I don't know what they are, but the you know with the with a defensive philosophy and some other things. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought the second half of the season defensively was just unacceptable for a, a Tennessee team that wants to get into the playoff next year. And, and so uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, he still has the chance to, in my opinion, upgrade. And then also, as you said yesterday, uh, there's um, this staff, this program is uh, – uh, lagging behind in recruiting, um, and so uh, he has some he has chances to upgrade all of that too, and I, and I and I hope he does.
9: So we're going to go to the phones, but first we're going to do this. I do want to get your reaction, but I want to also appreciate your time. When we continue, Adam Sparks joins of the Knoxville News Sentinel. Then we get some calls. Then we get Watson Brown who will tell us and take us inside exactly how you would optimize this kid's first opportunity and minimize his exposure against a pretty good Iowa defense that plays a zone. That's what they do. Unlike us in their back seven, they actually play it really well, and and they're pretty darn good at what they do. So we're going to take a brief timeout. And we're going to continue on the other side on a day where the ball has officially been handed to Nico. The Nico era. The Eagle has landed.
12: This is Coach Devin Simler from Columbia Central Baseball. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
3: Alert, alert!
0: It's Terry from Tillis Jewelry. Our customers know us for our one-of-a-kind custom jewelry. And this year, we've outdone ourselves with the TJ Collection Christmas Edition. Feast your eyes on the Deco line, featuring a modern twist on the lovely art deco style. You won't be disappointed. We guarantee you'll love everything about the TJ Christmas Edition. Stop by Tillis Jewelry on Columbia Square, where the best surprises come in small, beautifully wrapped packages. Happy Holidays from Tillis Jewelry.
14: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater. And upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be or the service is free.
13: Call the Happy Face Truck today.
7: Elevate your day at Old School Vapor. Check out our selection of disposables like Kato Bar, VHO, Raz, Lost Mary, Breeze, and more. Enjoy 35% off your entire e-liquid purchase and 20% off everything else. With every $20 Club 13 purchase, snag a chance to win a Rad Runner e-bike. And for Exodus lovers, every purchase gets you a ticket to win an Xbox Series S. Check us out at OldSchoolVapor.com.
6: This is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM, Columbia. So
9: here's the deal on the show of record. We're back with you. Uh, a, A belated Christmas gift for many in Big Orange Country. Sean Sinclair said it best in our first segment, which is a special thanks for Joe Milton. This is a great outcome. You know, generally when guys opt out, You know, like this thing that happened to Florida State yesterday. People are pretty upset. Yesterday, Brock Bowers didn't get off the airplane and a couple other guys for Georgia, which is, you know, the state of things in major college football, um, as they're getting ready to play in an Orange Bowl. Certainly, this being a Citrus Bowl, it's sort of a different deal. Uh, You know, and this is his hometown for those just joining, Joe Milton has uh, opted out of the bowl game, which lines up with what we were hearing about Nico getting lion's share of the reps. And, and as I was told, uh, he was going to start, but I wrestled with it on the air yesterday. I told you I just was not going to believe that till I saw it. Because I also heard that they were going to play him early in that Vanderbilt game. Until, and so until I saw Joe Milton wasn't playing – That's when I knew Nico was starting. So Nico's going to start the game. Adam Sparks of Knoxville News Sentinel, nice enough to join us. He does such a great job for them. Adam, I brag on you. Your work is so great. And he appears on your TLD Logistics hotline online at TLDlogistics.com. And Adam, my best for you during the holiday season. I know you're uh, moving toward uh, Tennessee's practice area over at Central Florida right now as you're in Orlando covering things. So thank you for giving us a few minutes here. And your thoughts on this uh, news of the day, which is that Joe Milton's opted out and the Nico. Uh, it is now Nico time in Tennessee.
8: Yeah, I think this takes a decision off the table, a difficult decision for Josh Hopple, um which would have been even more difficult within the game. You know, if uh, I think if Joe Milton was available, if he didn't opt out, uh, I think he starts the game. And any thought of Nico playing in the game, let's say that like the second quarter, third quarter, whatever, Josh Hopple. If if he did start Milton, I think he would have. Then he would have to decide in the game, okay, let's let's try something different. Let's try Nico. And for that to be the case, he would either have to say. It's not working with Joe. Where you know, and Nico can do better, which that has not been the that's not been the way that he's gone during the season. Um, or it would. I mean, it, it, frankly, it was going to be hard to find a scenario where he would pull Joe out of the game for Nico. Maybe predetermined. Okay, the third series, you give Nico a shot. I, I just, I, it was going to be weird because. Even the Vanderbilt game, we thought Nico was going to play earlier in that game, and then Joe scored a touchdown, then two, then three, then four. And Hopple just couldn't pull the trigger and kept Milton out there for for longer. I think that probably would have been the case in this one. And also, Iowa's defense is so good, it's probably going to be low scoring regardless of who the quarterback is in, is in there. And if Joe Milton had Tennessee ahead 10-6 to at the half, would he pulled Joe, or would he say, "Hey, winning? Why are you going to pull Joe now?" If Tennessee was, you know, tied seventeen all going into the fourth quarter, you could put Nico in then. I don't know. He's gone the whole way. One more score, and you win the game. I just think there was there would be more of a temptation to keep Joe Milton in the game if he was available. The fact now that he's opted out, all that decision making goes out the window, and it's it's Nico for all four quarters.
9: My question for you is, because I was going to bring you on to talk about, you know, how much Nico we were going to see and this, that, and the other, because I, I think we were both of the belief that they were ramping them up. And, and you're probably not going to mind me sharing this, but we were talking today comparing notes before um, before our conversation here. And the Vanderbilt week leading up to the Vanderbilt game, um, the plan, I don't know if there's a plan, but it seems like they were really getting him ready at that point. You had shared with me, which I didn't realize, uh, that um, they, in fact, had really kind of gone this route the week of the Vanderbilt game. Can Can you speak to that for us?
8: Yeah, I had I'd heard that Nico was getting, uh, I don't know if it's the majority of the reps or just increased reps, um, but the Vanderbilt game, I was told that a, a lot of reps were going Nico's way. Now I, I never read into that that Joe was not going to start. It was senior day; he was going to start. Um, but uh, you know, and, and here's the thing with that: I don't think that was necessarily a turn from Joe to Nico. I think that was more of them saying, "What you're going to get out of Joe, you're going to get." Getting 20 more reps in practice doesn't change Joe mm-hmm. Milton. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at this point, getting 20 more reps in practice for Nico turns him into a, you know, a C-plus to a B-minus maybe by Saturday. And so I think he was getting increased reps because they were making a big difference in his development. Um, so, I, you know, the, so the the thinking was Nico was going to get at least half of that game, if not more, and he didn't. He didn't go until, what, what, quarter? I think Heifel left Joe in a little longer because he was scoring a lot of touchdowns. I think he had, what, six in that game. And so things were trending that way, but when when it came down to game time for Josh Hopple to pull the trigger and switch quarterbacks, he did it later than I think was intended. And now that, that you know, there doesn't have to be any conversation. It, it, it's all Nico. And, uh, you know, this is probably – I mean, I, Tennessee fans, I'm sure, like this um, – Joe Milton gets to go out and say, "Hey, you know, I'm passing the torch and yep. and all that sort of thing." And and you know, and Nico gets his sort of introduction as Tennessee starting quarterback. Now, now we'll see how he plays because the perception of Nico could change quite a oh. bit, uh, depending on how this game goes.
9: Well, I'm going to manage expectations for him um, from my perch, just to be, I think, responsible. I mean, I'm I'm looking at the last time that Iowa took a field, they. They played against Michigan, a very good team. Certainly Michigan has better material than the Vols do this year. J.J. McCarthy is, you know, kind of a pedestrian quarterback, but he's a veteran quarterback. I mean, he's an experienced guy. He's played in a lot of big games. He was 22 of 30 in that game for 147 yards. Uh, He failed to record a passing touchdown. Michigan converted only 3 of 15 on third down. Uh, Michigan had only 213 net yards in that football game. Uh and so uh you know my conclusion is Iowa could be a very ignorant team toward a freshman quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see how they um how they sort of protect him and what kind of stuff they come up with for him.
8: Yeah, I think there's I think there's more to gain for Nico in this performance than to lose. Um if he plays, now you know if he throws four interceptions and two pick sixes and lost, then that's obviously that's bad. I just don't think that's going to happen. I I think he's going to have somewhere between a mediocre outing to a really good outing and a mediocre outing similar to the one you just described. You're going to chalk it up to freshman first start against a top five defense in the country. It happens. don't, Don't worry about it. Um, if he plays well, I don't even mean great. I mean, well, like like how Joe Milton played in the Orange Bowl last year, 250 yards, what, three touchdowns. If Nico did that, then the top's going to blow off of the hype for him because people are going to say, well, if he did that against Iowa's defense, imagine what he's going to do against You know, fill in the blank defense. And so that's exactly right. uh, There's more to gain than to lose for Nico, I think, in this one because the expectations will be pretty low against the defense itself.
9: Well, and you bring up a great point because Nick Saban was talking about how all these things overlay against each other. You've got the, and you stop and think about it, you've got the, um, playoffs for him, you've got that signing day last week, the transfer portal. He said, listen, he said the class of 2025 is going to soon be making decisions, and this is an opportunity for us to um, really have an audition for those young people for our program, and I see this thing in the same way for Tennessee. Now you've got a golden opportunity. You're the second bowl game of the day on January 1st. You're the lone bowl game outside of the of uh, the playoffs that will be on ABC television. I mean, Adam, it's a golden opportunity for Tennessee now.
8: Yeah, it is. Um, again, depending on how it how it goes. This game is not set up to be high scoring. Um, so, you know, what Tennessee wants to be and what it's been some in the past under Josh Hopple, it, it'll be surprising if it looks that way in this one. Um, that being said, it's similar to what I said about Nico. If Tennessee comes out and plays reasonably well on offense, scores more points on Iowa than yep. you would expect, um, then the hype will start up because then Tennessee will. I mean, let, let's let's back up here and remember mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Citrus Bowl is where Tennessee is not where Tennessee's supposed to be. It's supposed to be like the Gator Bowl. This is two bowl slots higher than what the regular season earned. It's just sort of some you know some. Some good circumstances: the SEC getting two te- uh, get, getting a uh, getting a team in the playoff over Florida State, getting a team in the New Year's Six. LSU having played the Citrus Bowl last year, Tennessee bumped again. The Tennessee's playing up two slots than it should be. Um, if they win that game, and they have a five-star freshman quarterback doing it, and a secondary that's going to look more like la- more like next season than this past season. Uh, then, then you're going to say, okay, this is a this is a team on the rise, and you're start to get the, you're, you're going to get a team that some people would say next year is going to be on the fringe of the top 25. If you beat Iowa, instead, people are going to say, well, maybe what we thought Tennessee was going to be this year, which is top 5, maybe they're going to be that next year.
9: That's a really interesting perspective. And so let's talk about that secondary. Who are the names? the names and the positions, lay it on me, because they have not released a depth chart. So what do you think, if you're guessing here?
8: Well, corner is going to be Ricky Gibson, who is the four-star freshman that just played a little bit this year, not much. Uh, And then it'll probably be Gabe Judy Lawley, who started about half the season. So that's a a veteran. Whether or not he comes back, goes to the portal or moves on, we'll see. But Ricky Gibson will be the guy. Jordan Matthews, another four-star freshman, played very little this year. He is red-shirting, but the, the red shirt doesn't count, and uh, it, it, bowl games don't count towards that. So Jordan Matthews could play. So you, could have, you could have two freshmen in the top three or four corners. Uh, At safety, um, you know, Wesley Walker's opted out, so you're just going to have Jalen McCullough back there, and then the other one would be Andre Turntine, who people have seen a little bit. Transferred to Ohio State, what, two years ago. Um, he's auditioning for a starting job, but there's guys that are coming – from the portal that are going to challenge him uh, for that next year, So Tarantine's going to get a shot aside McCullough. Star is interesting because Mary McDonald is gone. Uh, could be could be Jordan Thomas if he's healthy. He got hurt late in the year. If it's not Jordan Thomas, it's probably Will Brooks, the uh, the walk-on that's been around for quite a while. It's you know it's some of this is going to be a preview of next year. Some of it is just going to be pieced together of what's left. I think if I was looking at anything in the secondary, I would look at the corners, Ricky Gibson and then maybe, uh, maybe Jordan Matthews because those are two guys that, could, that would be vying for a starting job at corner next
9: year. What a fun game that would be if they just said, you know what, let's throw Ricky Gibson out there and let's throw uh, Jordan Matthews out there and we'll have two cornerbacks and a quarterback, all of whom are freshmen. That would be and classic.
8: And let's and let's remember also on offense, their, your running backs, I mean, Jabari Small's not here. He opted out. Yep. Uh, and Jalen Wright was already opted out. So you got Dylan Sampson and Kim Seldon as your running back. That's your two young running backs for next year. Nico's your quarterback for next year. This offensive line is coming back almost completely intact. So what you see in the bowl game will be the offensive line in front of Nico next year. Most of the D line is going to be back, so what you see in this game is going to be what you see uh, next year. So Pierce and Joshua Josephs and all those guys—that's mm-hmm. that's that's your pass rushers next year. Um, so you know, it's it, we're going to get a pretty good preview of what next season is going to be. You're just going to take like a handful, like what you can count on, maybe one hand of key players. Take those out of it, and then add, you know three or four portal players and a couple freshmen.
9: And that's your team next year. Adam, wonderful work. If folks want to read more and read along, where do they find out? And on the way out, do you think Tennessee gives uh, Joe Milton his moment in front of the press? It was very curious that he did not, when they had their initial press conference getting ready for this, they did not uh, make him available. He's been kind of scarce. Do you think now that this is, out and open and this is what the that he's opting out you think they uh give him a moment to go down there in, in his hometown and say goodbye to the fans and this that and the other
8: yeah that might. i could see if they do that they would do it today we're we're only scheduled to get josh hopple today in about an hour and a half uh, i could see them doing joe milton i think he's going to be more perceived as sort of a you know, an onlooker, a support for, for Nico, uh, similar to how Hendon was in the Orange Bowl last year, although Hendon was hurt. Mm-hmm. I, I think we could see Joe today uh, do something like that. Again, you mentioned he's in his hometown or his second hometown here in Orlando, so he would be here anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I think we could. We, we already got the interview sheet of a few days ago. Tomorrow it's going to be Aaron Beasley and Cooper Mays. You no know, Joe Milton asked. There's a open-ended player interview session in a couple of days, a press conference with players, and I had asked last week, "Will Joe Milton be at that one?" And I got a shoulder shrug, <laughs> like, "We'll see." Uh, uh, so now we know we're not going to see Joe Milton there of active players, and uh, maybe that points you to the idea that they, you know, that they thought this something like this was going to happen anyway. That he he wasn't a certain uh, a certain guy that's going to. On the press conference list for guys that are going to be playing in, in the Citrus Bowl, but now we know. Now we know why. Um, I, we may see him today, but uh, except for the News Sentinel online dot com and uh, at Twitter on Twitter or X uh, at Adam Sparks and uh, I have videos and stories and all that coming out of the out of the uh, uh, practice interviews. Once we get done here in about an hour and a half.
9: Adam, thank you, brother. Good talking to you.
8: Yep, good good deal. We'll see.
9: Thank you, man. Adam Sparks once again appearing on your TLD Logistics hotline. The news of the day, Joe Milton's era at Tennessee is over. The Nico era is now alive and well and pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Pretty absolutely cool. Pretty amazing. Um Sean Sinclair. One thing he pointed out, and then we'll go back to our phones. I'm going to get the response from you at eight six five two hundred five four zero two, as promised. And then Watson Round will join us to begin hour two. Sean, the the thing that he said, which I wrote down for tomorrow's blog, which I think is well, it's it's worth repeating, is that the Citrus Bowl is not where Tennessee was supposed to be with the record they have. They're actually two two slots up. And they get really kind of a gift here. It's like a golden opportunity here. This is, this is going to be very, very interesting to see if they can navigate a very difficult team with a young secondary and a young quarterback. And if they can get out and win that game, if, even if it's 3-2, to two, whatever it is, it would be a great, solid way to start 2024.
10: It really is a gift. Um, it, it's, you know, even if, um, I mean, uh, Tennessee is favored, correct?
9: Yeah, they were they were an eight and a half point favorite. Brian, the line has jumped down. What's the uh, latest Brian you're saying? Uh, I'm seeing six and a half at some yeah. places. So they fallen it's fallen a couple points with this news this morning.
10: That's a, I'm not a, I d ai do don't understand lines and all that stuff. I just know those people usually are pretty darn accurate, but um I think it's a complete gift uh for Tennessee. Eight and four, be it Citrus Bowl. I mean that is a warm weather Florida bowl on new year's day, uh, with no competition. Uh, the day is set up for people to watch the national championship playoffs. It's an absolute, um, it, it's, I mean, it's a complete uh, advertisement for your program and your school. And, um, it's just working out great. I uh, they couldn't, couldn't ask for better. And I don't know, deserving or not deserving. Um, uh, typically, an 8-4 and four team does not get into that bowl game.
9: That's correct. Nico Mania now running wild. I'd like your thoughts. We go to the phones. You know, uh, what's really weird is Wisconsin 7-5, and five and they're playing in the Outback Bowl. To the phones we go? Well, I guess when you have multiple playoff teams out of your league, that bumps everybody up a slot, too. And what happened with Tennessee was LSU did not want to go back to the scene of the crime and bore everybody with Brian Kelly football. So we go back to our phones. Hello and welcome in. The Nico. I'm a never-going-to-leave-you era is now underway in earnest. Hello and welcome in.
15: Old Farmer Charlie got his Christmas wish. Charlie,
9: Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year, my brother.
15: <laughs> well, uh, uh, the one that can't ever be happy, uh, looking at this uh, defense that I was putting out there. Yep. And uh, – I would say our best blocking running back has just opted out. Yep. Uh, that could be uh, that could be rough sledding for a freshman quarterback.
9: It's going to be a challenging, challenging football game. He's not walking out on the field with a hoopty, with a Vanderbilt, so to speak.
15: Uh,
9: this is a real, I, legitimate Division One defense they're playing that, you know – and the thing about them that's great is they're not a tremendous pressure defense. They're more a stay in your lane, know what we do, do what we know, force you to throw underneath, 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 underneath. Uh, so from that perspective, it's good because I don't think they're going to heat them up a tremendous amount, but maybe they do. Who knows? Well,
15: well, if, if that's the game they want to play, Samson will be pretty good back to have back there yes, because sir. I think he's got pretty good ability to catch to you know a yep. little pressure release. But if I was I was defensive coordinator and, and that's the running back they had back there to block and a fresh i boy I'd turn the heat up
9: on him. See that's what I wonder. And I wonder now <clears throat> since Iowa hears this if they go, you know what? This guy's a this guy's a freshman. But here's the thing about it. He's not a true freshman. He is a true freshman, but he's not. He's been on campus 13 uh, 13 months when the game goes off. He's been in their system. He's been in their weight room. He's been um, acclimated. He's been prepared for this. Uh, He's a well-traveled guy. I mean, hell, he had his own jet flying him back and forth when they were playing seven-on-seven football out there at Farragut High School a couple years ago. I mean, this, this, this ain't like Tony Basilio showing up at uh, Tennessee in 1987 and they're handing, they're handing him the football. This guy is uh this guy's prepared for this moment. We'll see how he does.
15: Well, I I'll tell you what on this Nico thing uh you know we you talked about it and and Brian Hartman talked about it. it's kind of a shame uh that the Tennessee fans are ready to move on from him and he hadn't done anything except what he is asked to do. Uh and I was thinking about it and I'd oh, and yeah. like to know what Sean thinks about this. Uh, I decided, uh, Milton's biggest problem is, uh, Jerry Garantano. I think we got so shell or so. I don't know uh, how to describe it. Kidnap syndrome from. Getting locked into a quarterback and not ever going to get off of him yep. from from Jared, from JG yep. that uh, Milton just kind of brought back flashbacks because now that I get what I want and Nico's starting and and we lose that running back then guess what uh, Farmer Charlie who sat over there and dog cussed Joe Milton I would feel a little better if Milton was dressed out and on the sidelines just in case, you know, if it went plumb sideways that, that we could call on him.
9: That's funny. What do you think, Senko? That's a funny thought there.
10: Well, Jerry Garantano didn't play at Michigan, and it, the results were pretty much the same when he was there. So I'm not sure if that, that holds up. I do understand your point. Um, Joe's biggest problem, in my opinion, is that he does not process information quickly enough for this offense and is not decisive uh, with where to go with the ball. I think you saw that with you know, the fact that uh, we couldn't run it at the same tempo as Hendon did. Uh, we couldn't uh, – you couldn't call two plays at once. Therefore, we were constantly having to wait to the end of the play clock to get a second play called in uh, to so he could manage it. That. That's not his that, – That's just the player he is. Uh, Incredibly talented throwing the ball, uh, but I'm not sure that he's a great quarterback in the sense of Danny Werfel was a great quarterback with limited arm talent, as they say. Uh, But, you know, that's part of the nature of the game. Um, Joe Milton uh, has done nothing in his career to deserve the accolades and the attention he got at the university of Tennessee. Uh, And he doesn't, uh, he hasn't done anything to deserve the, the, um, the criticism. That's just part of being the quarterback at a major school.
9: It's really true.
10: And and, uh, so, you know, um, the way he comported himself, the way he handled media things, the way he um, uh, uh, took to his backup role with Hendon and the way he's, Apparently mentored Nico. I mean, that is going to that is going to pay dividends in the state of Tennessee for the rest of his life. Um, but no, I, I just I, I think Joe Milton is what Joe Milton is, um, and I thank him for doing what he could because you know what, we Nico wasn't ready. Anybody that thinks that he would have we would have had a better season with him, you're crazy. There's, he just wasn't ready. Um, so I, I thank uh, I thank Joe Milton. And it's time to move on. You know, it same thing with uh John Majors. You know, John Majors, Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion, Hall of Fame player in my opinion, but you know, it didn't go the way uh everyone thought it would. Um uh you know, but it was it, it was time to line. move on to a comes different up, era. I think. Right down Johnny Majors lane. Anything else, farmer? Former, you know, it didn't go with the, with the, the with the lack of success we had, but I still agree it was the it was the it was the right time to move on.
9: Anything uh, else, Charlie? Uh, so, it seems like it's a bittersweet day, isn't it? Just doesn't feel like it was supposed to feel, does it, Charlie?
15: No, it doesn't. Uh, but it's good. That- it's good. Thank you. Of- Oh, cinco's worth his weight in gold, and uh, out the door, Brian Hartman. I'm gonna give the rest of my time to Greg.
9: <laughs> Greg, Greg, don't let them haze you. <laughs> Eight six five two hundred. They kid because they care. <laughs> Eight six five two hundred five four zero two. Now, Watson Brown's gonna join us to begin our next hour. I want to hear from you at eight six five two hundred five four zero two. How excited are you to see Nico? Obviously, he's gonna get the opportunity against one of the more difficult defenses in America. Uh, but the good thing is they don't—they're not gonna like super heat him up. So, back to the phones we go. Hello and welcome into our next call. You are live on the Wednesday edition. Hi. You're on the air. Do we have a caller here, Brian Where's our caller? Where's our caller? Where is our caller? No caller? All right, no caller. 865-200-5402. So lines are wide open for you now. If you want to get in and respond to this, the fact that the Nico era is now underway. Pretty amazing. I wonder what the point total Brian now goes to in the Iowa game because it was thirty-five. If you could check that for me, it's
11: uh, I'm looking at thirty-six and a half. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, I think it's the lowest of Josh Heupel's coaching career by, like, two touchdowns.
9: I read. Well, it's the lowest of all game. Since at least two thousand six, according to for Copper, Tennessee, yeah, for, a for Tennessee, Tennessee game. football, and uh, Josh Heupel's previous low was forty eight against Alabama this year, and that one ended up thirty four to twenty, so they 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 beat the uh, they beat the number. Let's go back to the phones eight six five two hundred five four zero two. If you want to get in and again, we're wide open for you. Hello and welcome in. Hey, Tom. Great day. Hey, Colombo. Uh, interesting day, isn't it?
16: I mean, how much of this is then just saying, look, Nico's playing. If you want to save a little face here, come out and party with the team, get a swag bag, all that, fine, but Nico's playing.
9: I uh, hear I, all, I hear think. No, I, I talked to a source a second ago and we were we were comparing, you know, I said, What do you think? And he said, I really think they wanted him to come to his own decision because they were going to be worried about the way the team was going to respond. But I do think they massaged him to this decision. I do think that.
16: Now, let me go even deeper, kind of conspiracy theory. Do you think Hyper was told you're playing
9: Nico? I do think he's had a lot of heat on him from big money people. I said That's that a couple I mean. days ago. I do think they were like, look, we want to see this guy we invested in. Uh, so, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of that.
11: I don't know if that came now, into
9: this or if it that's just out a tertiary type of uh, factor here, but I i don't know how much it had to do with anything in terms of being the impetus for this.
16: Because, I mean, if you're Joe Milton, your your problem is your tape, and you have a chance to go put something on tape in this bowl game, and you're opting out, it seems just like they were kind of like, Joe, we're going to let you – Maybe
9: you're not playing. Yeah, you could be right. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. No, it's it's just a. It's an interesting day. Look, when I was told this a couple days ago, my first inclination, as I said yesterday on the air, was not to believe it. And today I believe it. I mean, today when I saw, now that I see this, okay, fine, I can I can comprehend it, because as you heard Adam Sparks say, if Joe Milton was on that team, Joe Milton would have played and would have played most of this game. I I just. I believe Josh Heupel to be the guy. Look, if it was a ten-six game, which is what it was going to be, Mark, or ten to three, you think he would have pulled that quarterback? No way. no way. No way.
16: No. No way. Um. Well, I'm excited, man. It's fun. To the future. Yep. I mean, according to the guy you had on a couple of weeks ago, this guy is just from another planet. So, you know, like I said before, next year, you know, the schedule isn't exactly murderers' row.
9: Nope.
16: You got two, you got two games that are, you're going to be a dog in. I don't think I don't even think you'll be a dog at Oklahoma. Yep. I think You'll be favored at Oklahoma. So time to start now. I'm I'm excited.
9: The thing that's going to be really interesting. Uh, the thing that's going to be really really interesting is that. Um, The thing that's really, really interesting is what happens now with this Stewart guy because that's the next thing to watch. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm talking to a source that knows, okay? Um, In fact, it's my same person that was helping me with the Milton stuff, one of them, okay? This is what I just got a minute ago. It's a communique. He's asking what they're calling coordinator-type money on a one-year rental. The Stewart guy wants right around $1 million on a one-year rental.
16: Well, Tony, you know who's involved with him. They're saying Ole Miss is involved with him, too. Now, I read that he's got some red flags in terms of Alabama and Texas aren't interested.
9: Well, here's the red flag. Here's the red flag. The A&M staff was a little concerned about him because they didn't. When they were looked at his tape and they talked to him, they didn't see a lot of want to there with him. They also, uh, I I think the sense is that there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of that on that team, um, and that's why they had the record they had. There were a lot of guys I'm that just kind record. of took their bag and sort of went to the house. The other thing about him is, is people need to realize is that. He's quite a presence on TikTok. In fact, he's one of these guys that has monetized that site. And he makes pretty good money off TikTok. So he really doesn't need the football money. Uh, And kind of, um, I don't know, sort of lets that be known to the football people in his life. Um, And the book on him is that he's not a tremendously hard worker. I'm just sharing with you here what I'm being told That's the book on him. I don't know the kid. I don't know the kid from Adam. He could be, for all I know, he could work. He could have the work ethic of Michael Jordan. But, but apparently, and then the other thing about him is, um, is that, and this is part of the download I'm getting, is that he's probably at the end of the day not a bad kid deep down. He just has a lot of forces pulling on him, including, including his social media uh, presence. I mean, Sean, we're just in a different age, and Tennessee's going to have to be forced to go, okay, do we want to get involved with this guy? Sean, when I present that to you in its totality, he's got the TikTok thing, which I didn't realize. He's doesn't have the greatest motor in the world, uh, but he's super-duper talented if you can
10: reach him. Um, what do you think? I'm an old man, and uh, I don't... I don't uh, understand all of that stuff, but I understand it is a big part of uh, the young folks culture these days. Uh, but I do understand team dynamics. And if you were to bring him in there, uh, I would uh, I would I don't think you would get a season like you did Kelly Washington, which would be kind of the same thing. Yeah. Sped up several years. Yeah. Um I don't think you. I don't think Evan Stewart is. Uh, he's a he's a very nice player, but Kelly Washington was a dominant athlete. Dominant his, his year here, and um, I don't think Evan Stewart's that. So, if you give him that kind of money for one year, knowing that he's only going to be here about six months, um, I, I think that I think that stunts the growth of your other wide receivers. Uh, that sounds like a Lane Kiffin move to me because I really don't. I think Lane Kiffin is very much like Al Davis, show up on game day and win, and I don't care what you do. Uh, interesting. But, I, but yeah. I just I don't think that's a great fit at UT right now.
9: Mark, here's another thing I'm getting just you know, as part of this download. I'm just going to read this to you guys. Um, he's the type of kid who, if you let him go, could probably poison a locker room. He's not a bad kid, but he just doesn't need football. And he's kind of willing to do his own thing and could be the type of guy that could turn coaches, turn kids against a coach, a position coach. Um, You need a very strong, strong, strong position coach to deal with him. And apparently the guy at A&M got kind of run over by him. I'm just sharing with you here uh, what I'm getting. They say this kid has a ton of charisma, which is why he's tremendous on social media. Very magnetic, magnetic personality for other kids who kind of see him as a little bit of a celebrity for all that stuff. All that, uh, what do they call it? Kids call it clout, I guess. Um, been, the bottom been, line is yeah. he's not
10: more talented than Mike Matthews.
9: He's been prone to go into business Period. for himself and encourage others to do the same. So uh, he's a boomer bust guy, even for a one-year rental, which is kind of interesting, right?
16: So why why in the world would Alabama be considered a player for him? I don't think Alabama's a player for him then. I mean, yeah, I, I think, think with they, Alabama.
9: Again, we're but. back to this. You got a really strong personality as a head coach who might look at him and go, Look, kid, we know the book on you and if you if you so much as bat your eyes wrong internally in our deal, we'll we'll throw your ass out on the street. I mean, you can, get, you can go do TikTok videos all day long, I and mean, that's—I'm sure that's how Nick Saban would deal with him. And Josh Heupel being the—and I do think Tennessee's involved with him—but Josh Heupel being such a um, culture guy, because Lane Kiffin doesn't care. Sean's right about that. Lane's the guy, and Lane would figure out a way to guy to figure out a way to keep that kid in the boat if he got him. I believe.
10: No, yeah, but I think I think when you come price. down to it, you're talking about production. I don't think you need, uh, again, I, I don't know anything about the kid, and I'm sure he's a great kid. I don't think you need the distraction. And I didn't know Chris Brazel from Chris Schnazzel, uh three weeks ago. And apparently he's, you know, quite the p- prospect. I guarantee you. You can get similar production for this place if you really need a wide receiver somewhere else. I I, I honestly believe that because I don't, I mean, what did Evan, what did Evan Stewart do against us this year?
16: Now, it's not red flags like, not red flags like off the field stuff in terms of the law or
9: anything, right? No, never. Great. He's a really solid human being. No, he's a solid Man, human being. Her
16: last year, Tony, that transferred to Ole Miss and Chris Marshall, who was a five-star kid, and he didn't even make it through spring before he got the boot because yeah. of all the criminal stuff. So this yeah, isn't that's – yeah.
9: Lane's uh, – and again, Lane's the type of guy. I think that's a great ironic analogy that Sean made because I think Lane's a guy that's got the Statue of Liberty out there and he will take your huddled masses. I mean, he's going to take whomever, and he has to. He's, a, he's at a spot at Ole Miss where he has to be resourceful. And he's done that. So well, the um, funny
10: thing is, the funny thing is, is Lane is doing all this at the expense of Ole Miss. He is absolutely putting all chips in the middle of the table because he wants this to be his last year in Oxford. Do you buy that?
9: Uh, they're a number one uh, Lane Kiffin uh, fan.
16: What's the Venn diagram on on places that will hire Lane and that Lane will be willing to go? I don't think it's very big. Like. I don't, I'm not sure he takes the Florida job. That
10: what? thing's a mess. What? Oh, I think he'd be he
9: there. In are you crazy? He, 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 that thing's a mess. Are you smoking hooch? Uh, Do they look-
10: play for Kelly? Did you say that Florida... Are so you, on you
9: smoking hooch? LSU and Lane Kiffin? You two guys are crazy. He would absolutely take the Florida job. You're out of your mind, Mark.
16: Come on now.
9: LSU, LSU for sure. Right, for sure. Heart. I mean, it's one of the great jobs in college football. Mark, Sam he would take heart. the Florida Sam job. The Mark, Mark, he was at like Eastern Florida, Tech State at one time. What are you talking about?
10: He would have. He would have taken the Auburn job. Of last
9: course, year. he would have taken it. What is? The but they Auburn. chose a superior he coach to him. Turned it down. down. Turned it turned down. It down? down. What planet was- do you live on? Come
16: on. Tony, come he on, turned on. it down. He turned on. down Auburn. Yeah. He absolutely turned down Auburn. He might have been seriously considering it, and maybe Hold at on. one point he was ninety percent gone. But eventually, he turned it down. They did not hire Hugh Freeze over Lane Kiffin. They did not.
9: E- are you, are you? <laughs> Mark? Thank you. A
16: brand new contract and all this NIL money.
9: Mark, I'm spending time. I love you. I'm spending time with you, but I could be spending it with Watson Brown. That's the kind of thing John Adams was talking about. Because I'm late getting to Watson Brown. Which shame on me. Look, when, when 2024 rolls around. I'm going to endeavor to do better. I'm going to fail miserably, but I'm going to endeavor to do better after this.
15: This is Coach Trader's dog from Columbia Central High School football. You are listening to 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee.
17: It's a memory-making time of year. This is Murray County Mayor Sheila Butt. Many years ago, as a little girl, I remember my mother receiving several packages in the mail. That was odd at our house. It was just a couple of weeks before Christmas. She put them away. I learned later that my dad had won a catalog shopping spree by selling the most cars the previous month. We were five young children and had just moved to Nashville from Illinois. It had been a tough year. About three days before Christmas, my mother started bringing out the toys one at a time. I remember her sheer delight as she presented each one to us. You see, we didn't know what was in the packages, but Mother did, and she couldn't wait to give the toys to us. I know now that the true joy was in the giving. I hope during this holiday season and in the new year that every one of us will experience the true joy of giving whatever we have to give. From our house to yours, I wish you a very merry, merry Christmas and a joy-filled, prosperous new year.
3: Here with Ruby Scroove
10: at the Mule House in Columbia. Rubik Scroove is your premier outside of the box 80s, 90s, and aughts tribute band. Featuring a high-energy character-driven performance, you're not gonna want to miss this one: rock, pop, hip-hop, characters, costumes, and videos. For tickets and more information, go to themulehouse.com. That's themulehouse.com. See you on New Year's Eve!
1: Greetings, Columbia. Mayor Chaz Mulder here, extending heartfelt gratitude on behalf of our incredible city as we wrap up another year. As we gather with family and friends, let's reflect on the blessings that make our community truly special and look forward to a brighter future together as we work hand-in-hand to make Columbia an even better place for all. I wish each and every one of you a happy new year. May it be filled with joy, success, and moments that make lasting memories. Cheers to the new year.
12: This is Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools and the Big Yellow School Bus. You're listening to Front Porch Radio on 101.7 WKOM in Columbia, Tennessee. My name's T.B. Eventful day around here.
9: A wonderful guest joining us as we celebrate the season. The great Watson Brown now joining us. It's a Wednesday with Watson. He generally pops in with us hour number one. He was deferential today to our uh, breaking news. And the breaking news, obviously, is that the Nico I'm-never-going-to-leave-you era is now upon us, and it is upon us and on us in earnest. And he gets and draws an assignment here of a club, of a club on defense, that can really play if you look at the numbers. Watson Brown, I bring you in. You know, we had talked about this throughout the season. What's it going to look like? As I welcome you in, and I hope um, you're having a, a wonderful holiday season, and I hope your new year is terrific. You probably should stay away from us in the new year if you're <laughs> wanting to grow intellectually and all those things. But, Watson, we had talked um, this Iowa deal now that it's in our face, Tennessee's got some pencil sharpening uh, upon them. Talk to me about you. Look at Nico. In limited time, we saw him, and then you know Iowa's defense. You were taught. You were telling us intricately some of the things they do. What kind of matchup is this for him?
18: Honestly, I, I Tony, I think it's it's better than the. The alternative, the alternative would be this is a blitz team and come after you. And, uh, I don't think I'd want that when, with him this quick. Uh, I'd rather you be more of a bend but not break, and that's why when you play a team like Iowa, I love the massive splits with the receivers when when you play this system because they still got to move out with you. They're not big on putting more than six in the box, but you get the overhang guy out of the way. So now if you split one, their safeties make so many tackles in their system, and their safeties are not going to be able to do that for sure one of them. If the ball's on one hash, the field safety is not going to be able to do that. He's going to have to move out and get it try to split the difference to the point but boy it's hard to get back in the box and tackle a guy coming downhill at you so I think it's it's a good fit for him uh, because I wouldn't want five or more coming at a brand new quarterback all day long uh, I was watching UNLV play last night and they don't play great defense but they brought them from everywhere all night long and Kansas just picked them apart but that's an older, experienced guy playing yep. quarterback and great receiver. So I think he's got a good draw, to be very honest.
9: Because I think that would surprise people uh, to hear you say Probably that. Would. Because on paper, the numbers of Iowa, I mean, and what they did to Michigan in their bowl game, or, you know, in the bowl game, in that championship game, I mean, they were flat out stingy and nasty. Uh, toward that McCaffrey kid who is a uh, is a or McCarthy rather who's a veteran quarterback uh, you know he, th- he completed I think he's 22 for 36 something like that and didn't even throw for 200 yards in the game so what are they going to what are they doing Iowa they just going to force you to throw underneath is that sort of the deal
18: no you can't what, they, what I think they do is they they'll shoot, isolate you on one-on-ones and uh they're, they're playing a quarters look and a little bit of mixing three deep in with it. Now they get the passing downs. They're a little bit more complicated, and that's when they'll bring an extra guy some. But they're going to spread out in a quarters alignment in their base defense, and you're going to get some one-on-ones. And what what you got to do, Tony, with a young quarterback is you don't want a multiple blitzing looks coming at a young guy. Uh, you don't want that. They're going to be simpler than most defenses in, in the look they're given. And uh, I think the ball will still go on the flanks with their quick throws, and I think they'll still get the they'll be able to run the ball with just the six people in the box. It'll be six and a quarter is what I would call it, not even six and a half, because they're going to move one of the safeties out of there. And if the ball's in the middle of the field, both of them are going to be loose having to think pass before they think run. And, and that'll simplify it for Nico. And I always thought, always thought when you got a inexperienced quarterback and I've played with many, don't give them those high low, a bunch of the high low passes and where you've got to feel the of coverage and you got to read this guy and feel where the guy next to him is. Is he leaning toward the zone that I'm throwing into? I'm talking about the, not the read guy, but the other one. Those things can get a little complicated. Keep with the short stuff and throw it deep. Just, just keep throwing it up and uh, have as few of the high lows in the game as you can. And that really fits Tennessee style. They're not a big high-low team until it's passing downs. Uh, you get them out of the chains, then I see them doing a lot more of the high-low stuff. And what I mean is a deep guy and a shallow guy, and you've got to fit him in the zone or, 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 and, or check it down. That's more complicated. Timing of that, spacing of that takes some more timing. But the one-on-ones, the quick slants, the fades, the, the bubbles they throw so many of out there, um, those are much easier throws. And then when you're going deep, it's an easy throw. You're, you're going to pick the one-on-one deep and you're going to lay it up. It'll either be a deep post or it's going to be a takeoff with them most of the time. So I think you'll see them do that with him. It's going to be, go back and look at Hendon Hooker when he first started playing, and we didn't know anything about him and how he kept getting better. But they started pretty simple with him. I would bet you you see that again today.
9: Watson Brown joining us. It's a Wednesdays with Watson. Uh, don't try this at home. Often imitated, never duplicated. You tried the rest. You're trying the best. Watson, the the Dylan Sampson deal is really interesting to me because in his skill set, he's shown this, as they've done it in a limited manner. But getting the ball out to him, getting the ball in his hands, quick stuff out in the flat, um, you and I were talking off the air. It, it is curious. You had mentioned this to me. It's curious they don't do that more with their backs out of this offense.
18: Well, if if I'll bet you he grows to doing it more on passing downs. Here's what happens on the early downs, Tony. You, you're you spread out so wide, you can't throw it to him in the flat because everybody's out there. There's a lot more bodies outside than there are inside. I think they'll use learn to use their backs more on early downs, on option routes inside, and doing more things from hash mark to hash mark with their backs as they build this offense around the new quarterback now. I'll just bet you that's, that's a piece that comes into play with them. But you really can't throw it on a lot of flares, a lot of flat routes, because the, with those wide splits, there are more bodies outside than there are inside the hash.
9: So how are you going to? Th- what do you what do you think we see? Do they throw the ball inside? In, in inside? I'm they, just they, trying to listen to what you're saying here. they got
18: to run the ball well, but their numbers are going to be set up when they play. As you can do either one, you want. It's going to be kind of an in-between defense, and they're going to try to split the difference with one of their safeties on to the two-man side or even a three-man side. And so you can throw it out there. Uh, you've got slants in the middle and stuff in there because there's a lot of space between the linebackers and the massive splits. Or you can run the ball. That's why I don't think it's going to be a real hard day on, for him to make the decision. Do I hand it off or do I throw it out here? Because I don't think he'd be wrong on either against this style of defense. Unless Iowa comes in and changes. Now, Iowa has seen nothing anywhere close to this stuff. Playing like in Michigan, and playing Tennessee technically is daylight and dark. So it's really hard. Um, Wisconsin would be the only one anywhere close, and they, they weren't good enough this year to, to challenge uh, Iowa that way. So I'm anxious to watch to see if Iowa changes any of their thought processes with these, with these big splits that Tennessee pops on you. And they'll be in big splits today because they're wanting to get – they're wanting to see how they're going to play their safeties. They love to split you when it's double safeties. That's what I see them doing a lot. Man, they're going to get you to the boundaries when they see double safeties in there. And uh, so I, I'm really looking forward to watching the game and see how, number one, Iowa plays defensively, and number two, how do they use Nico. And I just would bet my bottom dollar that they're gonna it's it's Hendon hooker all over again wow. and I remember when when he first started playing and I was on with you and I said man they are using him so smart and uh, they're starting him very very slow in this stuff and and then by the next year man did they have him rolling at that point I just can't imagine him leaving that philosophy today or winning the games on
9: you know, I can just picture them hitting those pass plays over those safeties in that seam, which is something we did yep. not see this year.
18: No, not as much. And that's what Hendon did. And a, a lot of slants, a lot of inside cuts. Mm-hmm. When you take those splits, if you watch Tennessee play on early downs, I'm not talking about passing down. When Tennessee plays on the early downs, they're split so wide, you can't run outside cuts. There are no outside cuts. An outside cut to Tennessee in those massive splits is a hook. That's an outside cut to them. Everything comes back to the inside. And those are easier throws for a quarterback, to be very honest, as long as it's not high-lows and all over the middle. But all the space between the linebackers inside and those massive splits, man, there's a lot of green grass in there. And him and Hooker made a living with that stuff.
9: You're sitting there as a head coach, and Sean wants to jump in. We'll go to him momentarily. You're sitting there as a head coach, watching Watson, and you get that news today. Obviously, the element of surprise is the element of surprise. But then again, these days, there are no secrets. And But Iowa, do they think that's good news or bad news, yeah. what's happened here? Is this good they news or bad news. news for them? They would
18: think good news because it's an inexperienced
9: guy. Okay. Is it good news? You tell me. Is it good news? I, I don't
18: think it will be. I think he's going to play well against this style stuff. I do. I think he's going to have a good day, and uh, they have got to run the ball well. I'm not saying great, just well today to help him. If they don't, the day is going to fade on him, because the more and more he gets behind, as I call it, behind the chains, Mm -hmm. the less and less good player he's going to be, because then he starts seeing more of the Iowa stuff on the passing downs, and Tennessee has got to stay away from that. People have had trouble doing that with Iowa. They've had a lot of trouble doing that, and Iowa gets a lot of their turnovers on ladder downs, not the earlier downs. So Tennessee's got to do a great job. Be patient. They're not going to get as many big plays in this game, but they need to go for them. They need to go for some big plays and don't get overly conservative with them. That's what they did with him. I've always said, and I'll say it again, when you have an inexperienced quarterback, Throw the quick, short stuff that doesn't have a reads tied to it and throw it deep. And then let him grow to all the read-complicated high-low game that you've got to have in today's world. Uh, but Tennessee, can, if they can stay away from that, and the way they stay away from that, Tony, is stay within the chains most of the day. This style has a better chance than everybody else Iowa's played. You get in there and the powder sets and all that with Iowa, <laughs> they can play the power game with you for all day long. And uh, so that's what I'm anxious to see. The only concern I have is I think Iowa's corners are pretty good. I just got to see a Tennessee guy beat their corners. Because you got to beat the corners today. You're going to have to beat them. You're going to beat safety some with all those inside cuts. But they got to make some plays on the outside.
9: Beat those corners. Let's get Sean Sinclair in here. It's a Wednesday with Watson Brown. Go ahead, uh, Sean.
10: Coach, there's nothing I can – suggest to you about offensive football but when i look at this with nico and just a little he's shown at ut I, I i tend to think i tend to think they're going to attack the middle of the field with both uh our two athletic tight ends i think they'll run some of these young guys you know off and then i also think nico could have a big uh game running in the middle of the field i just think that he sees things a lot better than joe did uh, and uh, I think there's a lot of yards for him in the middle of the field because he's a, he's a sneaky, quick athlete at 6'6. Six, six. No,
18: I think you'll see him, I think you'll see him run. At, I think there'll be some call runs to him today and I think there'll be some scramble runs with him. And that's where I think he's going to complete most of his balls is in the middle of the field from really from the sideline to right inside the hash mark. John's where I think he's going to catch a lot of balls right in. It uh that, that green grass between their inside linebackers and they're gonna take that inside receiver and beat the safety some, and they're gonna push that inside receiver off and then bring the outside receiver. They'll bring him underneath some as you as you well know. It's not slants, but it's kind of a take him up and bring him toward the middle gaining ground as he goes. Or they'll they'll run the guy off and then run some square ends right in that area. So I think you're gonna see The deeper throws, other than the fade routes, the deeper throws are going to come from post-square ends and that little, what I call it, an underneath-game ground route. It's not really a slant as much. Coach,
10: what have you seen so far with the use of, or what's been your impression so far with the use of the helmet uh, communication? I I think that's a no-brainer right now, and it would certainly help someone like a, a freshman quarterback uh, do you see that being implemented ASAP with college football? I would. I would immediately.
18: I just think it, it just simplifies the game for everybody. We stop all of this um, signal stuff and all that, and it just simplifies it for the defense and the offense. You've got a guy telling them what it is. Um, I, I I would do it in a heartbeat. I don't know why they haven't. I know it's money, but money is not an issue on the FBS level whatsoever. This is where I get back, Sean, to the thoughts of having a commissioner for FBS, commissioner for group of fives, power f- group, have a commissioner for the power fives, not FBS, excuse me, and a commissioner for the group of fives. These kind of things right here are no-brainers for the power fives. Now, if I was a coach, I saw it was last night, Kansas and, and UNLV, they were using that. I think where they went to professional stadiums, they used their equipment and that's where they were trying it out. Interesting. That's where they were in Arizona last night, and that's why they did it there. I don't know if I'd have wanted to do it as a coach in a one-time deal when I've not practiced it or anything, but it seemed to go well last night. I didn't see quarterbacks or linebackers or whatever looking like they can't get it or they're throwing their hands up in the air, And but it's a no-brainer to me. And the second piece is no-brainer, Sean, is having – Having the, the the equipment to watch the prior plays in front of it on the sidelines. That, why in the world college football hasn't done that? ice football does it. NFL does it. College doesn't. Makes no sense
10: to me whatsoever.
9: College basketball do does think, it. Everybody do has that technology. Could,
10: could, could, could you do it with a middle linebacker as well? Yes, they do. He was last I night. Mean, that's I
18: was I watching. Suggest. I mean, I was watching their line. What the. It's in one helmet, I think.
9: Yeah, one helmet.
18: I think it's what they do. Yep. And I was watching the linebacker put his hands over his ears there so he could hear it well. Same thing the quarterback was doing. So I think both sides were using it last night. And I know when they came to the boundary, uh, they were sitting there watching that, that series of plays with their coach, what, what the other one did to them and what we need to do different to take it on.
9: You know what's crazy? I mean, thinking, just thinking because all politics are local, you get that kind of technology implemented in a hypo system, and you get a quarterback that can handle two plays at one time on this play, boom, next play, boom, and in his, in that headset, they've got that locked and loaded, and you get a guy that has the aptitude to handle all that information. I mean, Watson, you could be unstoppable with an offense like Tennessee's. That would be very hard to defend. No, it's
18: it will it's going to speed up the game even more because that coach can be giving him the play. Boom, boom. Uh, I mean, much less than signaling the play. It will it will speed up the game even more, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion, and and it will, it will benefit the, the fast teams like Tennessee and South Florida, the different ones that are still still doing that. You know, it was so hot. Oregon, to me, was the one that really made it famous first. Yep. There's, Rich Rodriguez was kind of the first one to use that. I was probably the first no-huddle guy, uh, but I didn't just go real fast with it. Rich Rod, and I didn't use the... I wasn't in the gun. And then Rich Rod took it and went fast and got in the gun. I was beating my head many times. and so say, why didn't I think of that? Uh, but since then... It's fallen off a little. Kelly made it famous at Oregon, and yep. it's fallen off a little. But the which helps the Tennessees of the World, Tony, with not as many doing. Everybody is at the line, but they're not just just going as fast as they can. There's a difference in the Tennessee speed, let's say, an Auburn speed or a, a Tennessee Ole Miss speed compared to Auburn Alabama speed. It's it's different. Georgia speed. It's just a different world, and uh, this this would help Tennessee a bunch, in my opinion.
9: It's a Wednesday with Watson Brown. Sean asked a great question. You were talking about those bowl games last night. I watched that Texas State Rice game. Yeah, and and God bless America. Rice just kept throwing the freaking ball, uh, and 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 that kid, that linebacker, just kept picking the freaking thing off and taking it to the end zone. The second one, he took the football. He's like, I'm putting this thing up on the mantle. But I'll tell you this, Watson, observation for you. Between the Texas States and the San Antonios of the world, that Texas State bunch has some guys that can run, can play. Did you yeah, notice that? People. And how many yeah. kids? There's kids all over Texas, aren't there?
18: Yeah, there are. But how did he go about this? This is his first year. Yeah. This is this kind of guy's first year. What did he do? He did exactly what Deion did. Portal Mania. He, brought, he went nuts and brought in nuts. tons of them. That whole team is new. Yep. The whole team is new. We talked yes. about this last week. Um, it's, it's the going thing. I'm, I'm anxious to watch because I saw the Colorado AD make a statement. We got to be careful here. We're going to end up graduating nobody if we keep doing this every year. They're all here one year and then they're gone. There's a bunch more in and then they're gone.
9: Do they care, Watson? No, you know those presidents. Th- pres- I'm telling you, it's interesting that the AD popped that out after a
18: poor season. <laughs> I wonder if he would have said that if they were eight and four instead of four and eight. Oh, I really wonder. I love Watson Brown.
9: I'm so telling
18: you the truth. Lord. I laughed when I saw the statement. And of course, Dion's doing it again this year. And uh, I don't know. It's it's going to be the Texas State had a brand new team, and um, they they dominated right. The other thing I saw in that game, Tony and Sean, was if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win games. That
9: quarterback sure. from Texas State.
18: First That's, of all, he's, he's an excellent been player. LSU has been at Auburn. I That's right. he's older than me.
9: He's such an and he is. They say that if he goes into the portal, he's going to become a hot item. Unbelievable. Uh, and he, unbelievable. They've grown him, and he you know, was he lo- insane last night. He looked like night. little
11: Vince Young out there. Oh, he
9: was insane, Bri. They say if he goes uh, into I the, mean, the he portal, is... they say if he goes, he's probably going to go to the NFL, but if he goes into the portal, they say he's going to be the hottest property in that deal.
18: It's, it's unbelievable. That would be his third school. Of course, he's graduated, yeah. and now he can go anywhere he wants. Yes. Uh, so, But it's it, it showed last night with his play and then the poor Rice quarterbacks. Poor I mean, guy. If you don't have a quarterback in today's world, guys, it's hard to win big. It is really hard to win big.
9: You just don't have a chance. On the way out, once again, just to kind of um, put a bow on this conversation we were having, Joe Milton out, Nico in. You believe that Iowa, statistically, though they look daunting, is actually a pretty decent jumping-off point for him. It's a good jumping-off point for him.
18: Technically, now if Iowa is, is just physicals, Tennessee—if they can go out there and cover these guys one on one—if they can—if they can stop the run, then of mine. It don't matter. Yeah. It don't matter when you say it they have good cornerbacks. When,
9: when you say they have solid cornerback, cornerback, CB, CB's and, and cornerback. Tennessee has to. Beat those guys in space. I'll be real. They really got to beat them
18: some. They got to win some I... outside. They can't win with all inside cuts. They're going to have to win some on deep post and yeah. fades. And they have got to win some. But you don't have to score now, Tony. You need to Points against these people. Well, first to ten wins. twenty something wins easy. <laughs> I mean, Tennessee's in the in the high twenties, mid twenties. They probably win by ten points. Unless Tennessee secondary really is has an issue, uh, but I don't think Iowa can throw it even with a young secondary back there. I just I hadn't seen them all year do it, so I don't think Nico has to have a forty-point game yes. to win the game. I don't think that. No. I don't know if he's capable of that yet, but I don't think he has to do that with this Iowa style that they play. That's what I keep going back to. I think it's a good match for Nico to when they play.
9: Tennessee's young secondary. Because I watch NBA games with my son, and he'll go, "Dad, that guy right there just made a hundred thousand dollars tonight getting cardio." <laughs> he goes, Now that's good work. You can run up and down the floor and never touch a ball and just get some cardio." That's what Iowa's receivers do. That must be a yeah. that must be a thankless task to be a wide receiver at Iowa and just sit there and run up and down the field getting cardio all day, Watson.
18: No, and they look like they have decent receivers. They just they just <laughs> don't throw it to them. They no, they don't, don't care. care.
9: They, they don't even pretend to care, which is kind no, of they don't. fun no, for they, me. they They're going to play to their
18: defense. Yep. And I can't wait to watch him after this game to see who the coach brings in as his offensive coordinator because I'm not sure the fans are going to keep putting up with it. He may have to change his style, and this next move here he makes, he may have to change his style. Well, I we're can't gonna, wait to see.
9: We're going to see how much of a political animal he is. That's yes, exactly right. If he sticks to truly what
18: he believes, and he's won a bunch of games doing what he's done, bunch of games. So more power to him. But I'm going to watch him close after his son was involved in this. Oh, boy. He kind of had to let him go. And I mean, good gracious. It's been tough. So I'm anxious to see where he goes from here.
9: It's a great profession when you got to walk your son in and fire your own son. That's a oh, good Lord. But, hey, they double-dipped on salary, you know, as – I bet that was a fun time for the Iowa Iowa Nation. Hey, Watson, thanks, man. It's it's a real honor and a pleasure to uh, spend time with you. Oh,
18: and love it every week. Thanks, guys.
9: Thank you, brother. The great Watson Brown, one more time, who appears on the TLD Logistics Hotline online at tldlogistics.com. Sean, now the question is, does Tennessee have receivers to take advantage of those matchups on the outside as Watson laid it out there? Because he said you're going to have to beat those guys. In order to, uh, in order to really take pressure off Nico can they do it Sean?
10: I think they can I, I don't think you're gonna I, I think it's going to be less one-on-one wins and more of wide open guys I mean uh, even though they're the same height ish I think Nico's probably six six plus uh, Joe, Joe seemed to play shorter than he was what I mean by that is he did not seem to take advantage of his height to see the field. And if you go back and look at, um, if you go back and look at uh, high school, obviously Nico's so much taller than everybody in high school. But even when he played in the limited time here, he can see the air, he can see the field a lot better. And I think you're instead of having Nimrod beating one of their DDs, I think you're going to have the Josh uh, uh, offense of uh, the previous two years where there are going to be mismatches. I mean. I was obviously going to sell out on the run. Um, they're obviously going to try to uh, do that, and I think if they can get some, if we can get some tempo, I think you're going to have uh, even that very good uh, defense. I think they're going to be put in some compromised positions to make decisions on um, on who to guard, and I think that bodes well for us.
9: As Watson Brown exits, we come back, we get to you. It is wall-to-wall, y'all, after this.
10: This is Tripp Stoltz with Columbia Ace Hardware. I love listening to
6: 101.7 WKOM-FM, Columbia, Tennessee
0: Hi, it's Terry from Tillis Jewelry, your festive gift destination this Christmas. Unwrap the magic with our natural diamond earrings starting at incredible $99. Yes, you heard it right, $99. Picture the joy of discovering these stunning gems in your stocking. But there's more. Explore our brand new diamond pendants and dazzling stack rings at fantastic prices. Make this season unforgettable with Tillis Jewelry. Come see us on the Columbia Square where the gift is wrapped with elegance. Tillis Jewelry, making your Christmas sparkle brighter. Happy Holidays.
14: Need a little extra cash for the holidays? From now until Christmas, Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical is giving you a $500 Visa gift card when you buy select new HVAC systems or receive a $250 gift card with a new tankless water heater. And upgrade now with monthly payments as low as $79. Visit happyhiller.com. Happy you'll be, or the service is free.
13: Call the Happy Face Truck today.
18: Get ready for a shopping experience like no other at Old School Vapor. We carry a huge selection of disposables from Kato Bar, VHO, Raz, Lost Mary and Breeze. We've got it all. Enjoy a whopping 35% off your entire e-liquid purchase, 20% off everything else. Plus, discover the largest legal cannabis selection in the state, along with a variety of Kratom, Kava and Glass products. Check us out at
12: OldSchoolVapor.com.
7: Join Center of Hope for the annual New Year's Eve Mule Drop in downtown Columbia. It all starts at 8 p.m. with the amazing Emerald Empire Band. Food trucks, a beer garden, axe throwing, and a cigar lounge will all be there. Hourly countdowns and toasts will lead up to the Mule Drop at midnight. The Mule Drop is free and family-friendly. Presented by Center of Hope. Sponsored by Experience Murray and Baxter Management. No live mules will be used at this event.
1: This is
3: Clayton Harris, and you're listening to 101.7 WKOM Columbia.
9: Tita to be back with you. It is a great Wednesday. It's crazy. So right before we jump on your airwaves today, word comes down that uh, Joe, Joe Milton opting out. And, and Chris Lowe broke the story. Some were hinting at it. You know, it looks like it's more and more that Nico's going to start. And Chris Lowe basically put a report out: Hey, he's opting out. Josh will probably will make that official. Officials, he's going to meet the depressed here. Well, he's meeting them right now. And so now we're left with trying to grapple with what does this mean. And Watson Brown was excellent. If you missed him in our last segment, our Wednesdays with Watson segment, he, he he really gave a master's level class of the implications for this. And Cliff's Notes version, he said there are much worse opponents to throw a guy out there in his first start, including teams that really heat guys up or teams that give young quarterbacks, exotic looks. He said, "I would not do that. He said, what Iowa does is they do, it, do what they do, and they do it very well, but they're not going to heat you up, and they're not going to give you exotic looks, and if you manage a game in front of you, stay in front of the sticks, you should be able to have moderate success against them. He said, I'm not expecting the guy to blow the top off them by any stretch of the imagination. He said, but first downs are really critical. Got to be able to run the ball well in this game. He said, if you get out there and they start shoving Tennessee around the field and a young quarterback gets in second and third and long against them, he said, that's when you get in trouble. So it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee, uh, how they approach this deal. But we'll go to the phones. 865-200-5402. Hello and welcome in to our next call. You're on the air. Tony, how you doing, buddy? There he is. So it seems like Nico
15: Mania is gonna be replacing Uncle Milti.
9: Uncle Milty Mania has now given way to Nico Mania, Billy.
15: Yeah. And I'm looking for mania to have a good game to play a good game. Yep. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give Josh Heupel an eight.
9: Hey Sean, what is uh, what is a good game for Nicomania? What's that? What's that look like for him, numbers wise? You think?
10: Oh, I don't know. If he completes anything over fifty percent, uh, doesn't get hurt, and um, looks like he has, like, look, looks like the stage is not too big for him. I think the I think the numbers are irrelevant. Interesting. Kind
9: of like, uh, kind of like what Levis looked like in his first exposure on the NFL level.
10: Well, I think that you take a look at Joe's performance last year in the in the Orange Bowl was misleading. It, it looked like because he had a couple of good plays, and then there was a whole lot of nothing. Yep. And we we got the win, and it looked really good, and and there was a false sense of security that okay. The light clicked on. Well, you know, I'm not taking anything away from him, but if you actually look at the performance, it, it, it wasn't hooker-esque. No, you know, uh, so Sean, I I, I,
9: yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry.
10: No, I, th- I think if you just, I think if the big thing is if Nico comes out and looks, because this is a quality defense, man. Oh, they contested. Yeah. If it comes out and he looks like he belongs in the game, I think that's all you want to see right there.
9: It's funny you mention what you mentioned because I remember being on the air in the summer, and I just thought everybody—that was everybody's view of spring, summer, whatever—of that game was that Joe Milton was okay in the game, and then John Adams is on here with with us going, "Oh no, 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 he was excellent," and, and I'm going, "But we had, no, like, we had like eight, we had like eight three and outs. Like, what are you talking about? No, 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 he was the MVP. I go, okay, he was the MVP, and somebody to get the MVP. I mean, I'm not." poo-pooing the guy here but you know the point is that people just i don't know they saw something i didn't see so i'm trying to temper this thing for this young guy though because it's going to be a it's going to be a, a tough draw for him um uh, even schematically if things are not as bad as they could be they're still going to be difficult because you know it's going to be
10: going a million miles an hour for him and well, I think I think yeah. that I think the big thing is his performance is going to really affect uh, the team yeah. because I, 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 you know, there, there's a leadership vacuum here, uh, and is this guy who's essentially a redshirt freshman next year? It, it, it's his team. They've got they've got to see recruits. Got to see even the uh, even the seniors that have opted back. They've got to see that this guy is the guy. Uh, because you know uh, the, the Cooper Mays, some of these other guys, I don't know that they're instant NFL starters, but they've all they're all coming back in part because they think this kid is has got the goods.
9: Anything else for us, Billy? Would you, you off, you're having a great uh, call? yeah, buddy.
10: yeah. I, I, I'll tell you, uh,
15: the Titans, Seattle didn't have to win that game.
9: I I didn't. I I didn't watch a minute of it. Did you, Bry? Did you watch any of the Titan game Sunday? Uh, I went not and sat a whole lot. No. I, I I went and sat in the park and played music.
10: Hey, Bill, uh, Billy, um, Billy uh Ursula Anders or Linda Evans? Uh, Ursula Anders.
9: Bill, you're the man. I hear you. Thank you, Billy. Hello and welcome into our next call. Hi, you're on the air. Uh,
0: Today, yeah, yeah,
9: yeah, yeah, you are the luckiest, luckiest, luckiest. Man, 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 alive, 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 alive. Hello and welcome well, into our to next wish call. You a
5: happy New Year and Merry Christmas, though, man. I hope you know everything is going well. Right on. Come oh, on, man, you can't get on me about that. Right on. All right, buddy. Uh, how you been? Pretty good?
9: Great. Thank you.
5: Good talk well, to This you. is uh, Chris. I don't know if you uh, remember me or not, but, uh, um, you're a shrink. <laughs> no, but Hey, listen, Sean, I want to say one thing. I really agree with you today. All right. I just, I want to throw that out there. I think really what Sean was trying to say a minute ago too, is if he you at 50% that Nico makes such good, impactful decisions, like he'd be like, like, uh, you know, doing a speech and impromptu, this guy could like, you know, knock it out of the park. That's, what I think he was trying to say, if we can just keep it at 50%, I think that 50% is going to be a whole heck of a lot of yards, um, honestly. But, you know, what I'm getting at and what I want to say, what excites me, is when I was at Tennessee back a long time ago, Manning was coming up, and we all know what happened after that, right? I mean, we got excited. Everybody got excited. We got all these great players coming in. People got to see, oh, my God, Manning's going to be there. you know. And then next thing you know, the excitement—it just went and, and caught on again, and next and then boom—we were. just – I mean, we went to every bowl game, we went to everything. And by the way, when you guys were talking bowl games, I haven't wasn't able to call in, but I went to a lot of those too. And and one of my funny experiences was when I was at the citrus Bowl and I knocked it there, and uh, our our uh, was it the uh, tuba guy, um, pretty much knocked the tuba out of his <laughs> mouth. But anyway, that's another whole story. But I did want to say this though, Sean. Uh, I'm going to speak to Sean on this one here. Sean, I agree with, um, about the middle and the playmaking. Um, about Nico, the one thing I loved about him is how calm he is. He, he, you think that the play might not be there, but he understands it so well. Like, for, for instance, um, when we were playing UConn and he was going down and we, and we were going and, uh, we're going to hit that tight end over the middle, right? But, but the, but the actual linebacker didn't, he didn't bite on the initial, uh, fake. And he saw that. He's like, oh, my God. So what does he do he Impromptus, Acts like he's going to run it. And then steps back and then throws it over his head. Those are the things that, you know, I'm getting excited about. Because, man, when I was watching that North Dakota game against Montana, and the guy runs around, and I think it was second and three or second and four or something like that. And instead of actually just taking the time to realize what was happening and just run it, you know, get the first down, he overthrows it, and then they end up having to kick it. So that's what I'm excited about. Is how calm and collective he is, and I think with him understanding the plays, I'm I'm looking for one heck of a year, man. And then and then I think we're just going to bring in all these people, and baby is back in Rocky Top again. That's what I'm thinking.
9: Thank you, brother. Good talking to you. Our resident shrink, Sean. Uh, he talks about the um,
10: cerebral side of Nico. Well, I don't, <clears throat> I, I don't, I don't know the kid, but from what I see. The kid has an innate awareness of seemingly everything on the field at the time. It, it, he doesn't seem hurried, uh, but he seems quick. Yeah. Um, he doesn't seem panicked, uh, but he seems to have a sense of urgency. And um, I really like him. The thing that – I don't know that Hendon Hooker was a great college quarterback, but I think he was a great college quarterback in this system. I don't know if Hinden would have been great at Michigan. I don't know if he would have been great somewhere else, but he was here, and um, I think that uh, Nico has a lot of the same things that Hendon have, but I think he's—I think he has them even more. Um, uh, he's incredibly accurate with the ball. If you go back and look at um, his uh, high school highlights, he just has an just uncanny ability to just put the ball an inch over the DB's hands. I I don't know how he does it, but he just does. Um, He has a unique ability to uh, just have touch or velocity when he needs it. I don't know how you teach that. I don't know how you coach it. I think he just has it. Another thing he has is he just has incredible feet. I think that is part to do. I don't know if he ever played soccer, but he obviously was a very good volleyball player and volleyball is a lot with your feet, setting your body in the right place, uh, getting to the right spot, and timing. And uh, I think he is really going to explode in this offense because it's just set up for somebody with his abilities.
9: And our Nico celebration is going to continue. To the radio listener, I love you. I hope you have a great day. We're going to continue the conversation and continue to break it down scientifically at TClub.team where we are right now. And we're TLD Logistics.
6: Overdrive,
9: overtime is celebrated. In the meantime, pace
6: and- this is Big Lou Maddox, and you're listening to the best radio in southern middle Tennessee, WKOM 101.7 FM Columbia.